It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Jose Barrero was given the uh, marching orders, if you will, to swim last year, but he didn't. So what's that mean for the Reds' shortstop position in 2023, and what's that mean for him personally moving forward in his career? Jose Barrero and the Reds' shortstop spot is where we will talk about on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds. Your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, as I take a look at the most historic franchise in the history of baseball, the Cincinnati Reds. I have been a lifelong addict of the team, and I've turned an addiction into information for you. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network here at Locked On Reds, and we are your Reds every single day. Thanks as always for making us your first listen. I know coming out in the afternoon, probably not your first listen, but thanks as always for giving us a listen. We are free and available on all platforms on today's Locked On Reds, which we are a free uh, live edition today here. It is normally an Aloha Friday, but with Steve not with me, I won't call it an Aloha live Friday since we won't be coming to you partly from Hawaii, but we will be talking about Jose Barrero and his impact on this Reds roster. We said whenever he was brought up at the beginning of August last year that he was the most important Red for the rest of the season, and that wasn't to say that he was the best Red. It was his outcome that's going to shape quite a different view of this roster moving forward. Exactly what does uh, Jose Barrero struggle look like for the rest of the Reds prospects? Because let's take a look at Jose Barrero. When it came to last season, it, it kind of felt like when they brought him up, it was almost too late. And it was funny because in 2020, it seemed too early. It didn't seem like he was ready. He struggled through 2020 and struck out quite a bit. And so one thing that I want to ask you here today on this live show is when you think of Jose Barrero, do you think he has a spot on this team? Because there's part of me that says what we've seen so far is abysmal. How can it get any better? I mean, you have nowhere else to go but up. It's been a really rough start to his career. 
But still, the things that he has shown just have not seemed to improve. And then you look at the fact that he really hasn't been given a lot of opportunity here. We're not talking about a huge sample size for Barrero. So does he deserve more of a run? Like your opinion on that, please drop that in the comments section right here on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter at Lockdown Reds. And you can hit up uh, my personal account as well at Jeff Carr with three F's. But when it comes to Jose Barrero, coming into last season, it, it, it felt like it was his job. And then he had the hamate bone injury, which kept him out for a long period of time throughout the season, and he just never got going. And in AAA, he had the typical struggles at the plate, striking out on low and away breaking balls, and then they decided to bring him up anyway. And the results were, as you would expect, just an, an awful season by pretty much any stretch of the imagination. You can try to explain it one way or the other, but the results that he put forth were not good. In fact, let's take a look at that. So last season, in 48 games played, he had 165 at-bats, far and away the most of his career in any one season. He hit a buck 52. And we love to use the OPS Plus stat here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. His OPS Plus was 10. In fact, throughout his entire career, his OPS Plus is 18. Now, his entire career makes it sound as if he's been playing for a long time. He's got less than 100 games. Let me do the math right. 25, Yeah, less than 100 total career games. So to say that we know anything from those less than 100 total career games seems a little bit premature. But does that mean that he gets more of a run? He's got a longer leash. I'm not necessarily certain because the Reds have, as we have noted, a hundred different prospects with the position label of shortstop. Now, one of them for sure is going to either be a third baseman or second baseman in Noel V. Marte as they're playing him at third base out in the Arizona Fall League. But with Jose Barrero struggling so mightily last season, and it was kind of understood that he was brought up to sink or swim, the numbers, the eye test... Everything involved. Tell me that Jose Barrero sunk. So does that mean that he gets more of a run this year? Because I don't think that there's anything that Jose Barrero can do. And I've said this before on the pod, and me and Steve have talked about it. I don't know that there's anything that Jose Barrero can do this spring training to convince us he's a different player than what we have already seen. He might bat a 1,000. Not make an out. But we will look and say, well, that's spring training. What do you do in the regular season? which is a fair assertion for any player, but specifically for a guy that's put himself behind the eight ball so much, like Jose Barrero has. I I just, I feel for him because it it feels like a guy like him, you should still have a runway for mistakes. But the Reds have tried to hand him the shortstop position. They They have held belt their hands with that spot, and I just don't think that he has taken control the way that they want him to and with with some different guys coming up I do wonder uh, what we're going to see shout out to Austin a very good response and he he points out hey I mean it feels like until we have someone else like Ellie De La Cruz to plug in at shortstop we might as well put Barrero there since we aren't competitive and that really is a question uh, that I would bring like 
do you bring in a shortstop? Because I don't want to sit Kyle Farmer at the shortstop position here. I think that he's far more valuable to this team as a guy who can move around, a guy who can play a little bit second, play a little bit third, play some catcher. That's where his value is. I don't want to pigeonhole him in as the shortstop. So do you bring in a guy until Ellie De La Cruz is ready? Because I don't want to rush Ellie De La Cruz. So what we did with Jose Barrero, and we're seeing the results. I feel like Ellie De La Cruz is going to be ready at some point this year. So there's the other caveat. Do you go out or do you just live with what you have? Because it kind of feels like this is one position where the Reds can do nothing. And I don't think it's going to be that bad. Now, catcher, obviously, they need somebody. Outfield, they need somebody. Relief pitching, they need somebody. Shortstop, I don't think, is a priority for them. Which is interesting because, like, looking at some different things that Jose Barrero did last year, like, it was known that he is an elite, I'm not talking good, elite defender at shortstop. Last year, he had a negative outs above average, minus two. And, and possibly it was the stress of his situation getting to him that led to that and the fact that he struggled so mightily at the plate, but... I still wonder about that because if your strength is fielding and you don't field well, then where are we going to go with Jose Barrero? I do think that Austin has a point, though, that he probably still gets a de facto run at shortstop, at least in the month of April. Because I don't know that Ellie De La Cruz is going to break camp with the team, but Ellie De La Cruz might be up here by May. Because De La Cruz, his talent is so immense, and he has absolutely just set every level of the minor leagues on fire that he has touched. He's setting the Dominican Winter League on fire right now. Like it's, it, he's absolutely doing amazing things, and it kind of feels like he's the next guy. And with all these different dudes that can play your position, Jose Barrero had to be looking over his shoulder a little bit last year and going like, oh my goodness. And you're even talking about because they, you know, when we broke down the Seattle Mariners trade, there were a lot of folks, uh, the Luis Castillo trade, there were a lot of folks that thought that Edwin Arroyo was the best get in that deal. And he's a shortstop. So is he going to be the shortstop in a couple of years? There's so many dudes that if Jose Barrero didn't prove it last year, and he didn't, makes you wonder... If there's any way he can prove it. Now, he's, I do think that he gets the run. And I would be curious if you agree with Austin. Because Austin, again, he said that, you know, it feels like Jose Barrero is going to be the shortstop simply because they're just going to wait until one of these prospects are ready to go. And I agree the Reds aren't playing for anything next year. So, do you give that to him? But, but to kind of put Jose Barrero's struggles into perspective. You know, he threw up the stats, and I'll throw them up here again. But looking at one of the things that we like to, on Baseball Savant, their expected statistics of him at the plate, just to put this into perspective, the way that he hit last year, he wasn't getting unlucky. According to Baseball Savant, his expected batting average was a buck 40 last season. In fact, he hit a buck 52, so technically. He got lucky. And that is a little bit concerning to say that a buck 52 is lucky. He struck out 43% of the time last year. 
his career, again, under 100 total Major League Baseball games, but his career strikeout percentage is 39.9. That's not going to get it done. That's not going to get it done. So what does this all mean? Because Jose Barrero did not prove anything last year. In fact, he might have proved that the Reds are still searching. So who is the Reds shortstop, and is that player already with the team? Will he be up this year? I'll give you my thoughts on these questions coming up next. But first, today's podcast, and today's live podcast, is sponsored by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered when you're talking about every single sport. The baseball offseason, they've got great lines on different free agents, like where Aaron Judge might go, where Jacob deGrom might go. There was some report that maybe there's a small market team in on Aaron Judge. I don't know that I'd go put money on the Reds doing that, but I mean that'd be kind of interesting to see him go to a small market team. I don't know what to think about that because I kind of think it's either the Yankees or the Giants at this point. Whatever. They, they've got you covered on the NFL season, NCAA football, NCAA basketball. There is an amazing UFC card coming up this Saturday night. Israel Adesanya is fighting the only guy who's ever beat him in a mixed martial arts match in Pereira. I cannot wait to watch that. And BetOnline's got you covered for that, too. They've got props. They've got uh, point spreads. They've got money lines. They've got over-unders. They've got everything you can think of. That's all at BetOnline because they've got you covered in-season and out-of-season for your favorite sports and more. Check it out today on your desktop or your mobile device because BetOnline is where the game starts. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Thanks again for checking out today's live edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. It's just you and me. Make sure you jump in the comments section, drop a question, drop a response, anything that you've got here, right here on the YouTube uh, show or on Twitter as well. And I will try to get to all of those as the show goes on because we're kind of getting into the portion of the show where you get to drive. Before we jump into that, though, I wanted to uh, kind of give a thought about... A question that I just asked. Uh, is the Reds' answer to shortstop already with the organization? And the answer better be yes. Because they've got so many prospects that are labeled shortstop. Eduardo Arroyo is probably not due up till 2025, 2026. So if he is the answer, that's a long time to wait. But Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, and Noel V. Marte are looking like they're going to be up within the next two years. All three of them. So where they all fit in, I, I think all of them will turn out to be better defenders than what the Reds have had at shortstop since Barry Larkin retired. Like, let's be honest, Zach Cozart, he was great. He was fine. I think what the Reds have is going to be better than Zach Cozart at shortstop. I think Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, or Marte, which I think Marte is probably the least likely of those three to be the Reds' shortstop. But between McLean and L.A. De La Cruz, I think you're going to get a better fielder than what we saw with Zach Cozart. You might get a better bat, too. 
You know, we might be talking about the best shortstop since Barry Larkin, which is a lot of pressure to put on some guys that haven't even played a Major League Baseball game yet. I understand. But I see that talent. I see the reports on them. I see the scouting updates that we have. And Ellie De La Cruz can do everything. He can hit. He can run. He can field. He can throw. He can do it all. That's the kind of guy that I'm excited about. And that's why I think this year he takes the reins, and that's probably where they just kind of leave Jose Barrero in. So if Jose Barrero is the opening day shortstop for your Cincinnati Reds, probably don't get mad at that because there's a plan. It's going to seem like there's not a plan when you just leave the guy in who struggled through the end of last season anyway, but there's a plan. And that plan is... Ellie De La Cruz, I, th- I think. I think that he's the guy that eventually takes that shortstop spot this year. Uh, when it comes to the talent of Matt McClain, I, they're playing him at second base out in the Arizona Fall League. So he might slot in there and maybe you move Jonathan India, kind of like we've been saying, move Jonathan India to left field. And then you've got your second baseman for the future in Matt McClain. And double play combo up the middle of Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz sounds pretty phenomenal. So I would like to see that. But Ellie De La Cruz, I think most likely, will start the season at AAA. With that being said, I don't think it's going to take him long to start setting AAA on fire. Consider the fact that whenever he got brought up to AA, I think he had like a week in the month of July, before August, and then he was the player of the month in the Southern League for the month of August. The best player. He is the guy that is going to take the reins. He's going to lift this team and, and start bringing in the conversation of, okay, the window looks like it's about to open, and it's because of Ellie De La Cruz. I know that's a lot of expectations to put on the guy, but... When you're talking about what the Reds have had at shortstop over the last couple of years, and and I've said this before, Kyle Farmer did an admirable job. He was fine. He was not playing A. He was not playing B. Felt like he was kind of playing Z. But at least one of those plans worked out to the point that he wasn't like below replacement level. <laughs> That's a good one, Kevin. Uh, Kevin says, I don't see what the problem is. Dusty Baker would pencil him at shortstop every single day and probably uh, pencil him in the leadoff spot as well. I do love me some Dusty, though. Glad that he got his World Series and he's he's going to have a shot at back-to-back World Series with the way that that roster is shaking out and the fact that they're bringing him back. But shortstop, I mean, if you think back, since Barry Larkin retired, has there been any one position that has been such a struggle? Like the Reds, I mean, they've had Joey Votto, obviously, first base. Not been a problem. Second base, you've had Brandon Phillips and Jonathan India. Not really a problem. Third base, you had Eugenio Suarez. You had Scott Rowland. You had, you had guys at third base. Not a problem. Catcher hasn't really been a problem. It hasn't been great in some years. And Tyler Stevenson has been the best that we've seen for a long time. But it's not been a problem. And, and Tucker Barnhart was good too. The outfield, you could maybe make a case for left field after Adam Dunn left being a problem, but I still think that shortstop, when you look back in the recent history of this team, has been the biggest problem child. And who can fix that? I think it's going to be L.A. De La Cruz. 
All right, let's jump into some questions because I got a good one here, and this one's from Danny. Danny Nash says, do you do we see Encarnacion Strand this year? I think he was the steel return in all the trades and is Votto's heir. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we see him early this season because I think they still want to get him some at-bats at AAA, but I think we could definitely see him in the second half. Probably July ish maybe july or august but everyone says this dude's power is legit christian incarnacion strand who was if if you listed out the uh prospects and the rankings and things like that that the reds got back in the minnesota twins deal for tyler malley he was the second guy that they listed but he has got so much power that i think that he's going to be the next I don't know if I say next Adam Dunn, but he's going to be the next big bopper for the Reds. The next guy that you're just like, can't wait to see this dude hit because it's going to go a long way. He might be the kind of guy that after we see him hit a couple of dingers, we could say, I think he could hit the Toyota. He could hit the Tundra. Maybe. I don't know. That's that's a lot. That's a big expectation for him. But the power is real. For him and double A, he absolutely mashed this past year. So seeing him against triple A pitching, I think that's where they're going to start with him. And and overall with prospects, because you know we're used to talking about prospects these last ten years. It feels like it's been nothing but prospects. And let that sink in for a minute. On January first of twenty twenty three, once we get into the year twenty twenty three, we will now look back and say, well, the Reds have only had two playoff appearances in the last ten years. And they were bounced in the first round in both of them. 2013 and Johnny Cueto dropping the ball on the mound. And then 2020 and the Braves and being shut out for 22 innings. I uh, am not super enthused about that statistic. But I I really think that um, the prospects on this team are going to be given enough leash. And they're not going to be brought up too early. I don't necessarily think it's that big of a deal with Ellie De La Cruz, but with some of the other guys, I don't want them to rush them up and make them feel like they're not ready to go. Got a question here. This is Austin Bully. Let's imagine Barrero is otherworldly in April as a starting shortstop, and it's time for Ellie to come up. Who moves positions? I definitely think it's Barrero. Uh, they, they've set Barrero up to play in the outfield, and depending on the moves that they make, he could play in center field. I definitely don't think Nick Solak is going to play in center field, the guy that they just got from the Rangers. He's going to be more of a platoon option in the corner outfield and at second base, and or just spell Jonathan Indy at second base at certain points. But I do not see him playing very much center field. I think if he does have an otherworldly April at shortstop, maybe. And if they think that Ellie is ready, they're gonna come. They're gonna bring him up and bump Barrero to center field because I think Barrero understands that shortstop is not his position to lose anymore. I think that he's kind of there until they bring somebody else up. I don't know that one month of April is going to convince them that they need to change plans on Ellie De La Cruz totally, and they haven't played Ellie De La Cruz anywhere else unless they do this whole thing like they did with Nick Senzel. And after spring training is over, they then decide to move positions, which that would I, I don't know that that would be a good idea. But also, Ellie De La Cruz has always said throughout his minor league career, he's like, I'm a shortstop. I'm playing shortstop. 
And I think he's got the talent to make that decision and to make it work. But what is an otherworldly April for Jose Barrero? Because it kind of feels like the bar is a little bit low on what we should expect from him. We can talk about that. And and I want to get to more of your questions here uh, coming up in just a moment. There's a really good one, um, good Shout out to Aaron Judge and, and stuff like that that I want to jump into here in just a moment. Uh, but also, sorry. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Yeah, Make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. He'll be back with me on Monday. When on Monday we are going to uh, try to answer the question, will David Bell be here when the Reds are good again? Because I've got I've got a question, a specific question about David Bell. And I know that we, you know, just to give you a quick preview, I know that we're not blaming him for last year because, I mean, he can't make decisions on the roster. He's the manager. He has to manage the roster that he's given. But there's something that has happened in almost every season that he's been manager, that I think is on him. And we'll get into that on Monday. But here, I wanted to shout this out in Austin with another one. Grand American Ballpark was made for Aaron Judge. Yeah, Aaron Judge, okay. Yankee Stadium, the new Yankee Stadium, has been deemed a launching pad and has been deemed a crackerjack ballpark by some people thinking that, oh, it's too easy to hit home runs out of there and things like that. Great American ballpark is easier. And I think that that's going to be huge if he were to be a red. He's not going to be a red. But if he were a red, could he hit 70? He might hit 70. Um, I, I'm going to tell you this. When I look at a rookie like Jose Barrero, my first question is, how did the Reds treat his development? Because coming up, he's always a shortstop. And then in 2020, when he struggled, they tried to pivot. They're like, oh, okay, well, maybe he'll play in the outfield. We'll get him some time in center field. And then last year with the injury and how long it took him to rehab from that, how long it took him to heal, and then in AAA when he struggled after the rehab was over and they left him in AAA to continue to work on things, and while he was working on things, he didn't fix things. There's some questions that I have with why they brought him up last year. 
I know at the time, both Steve and I were very bullish on him. Like I said, we labeled him the most important red for the rest of the season, from August to the end of the season. And the reason for that was, if he panned out, you're talking about a lot of fun with guys who are all labeled shortstops, so they're athletes. A lot of fun trying to figure out where they fit into the roster, and not being a problem, but being a good thing, where you have so much athletic talent to move around. But instead, with Jose Barrero continuing to struggle a little bit, I think you've got to look at him and say, I don't know that the Reds did right by him. And that kind of makes me wonder about how he will finish developing as a player if he has to go somewhere else, if it has to be a change of scenery. Because overall, I just am not sold on a turnaround for him. And I'm rooting for it. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong about Jose Barrero. But based on what we have seen, and based on the results and the numbers and things like that, even if he's otherworldly in April... How otherworldly does he have to be, and is that even cap- is that even a capability for him at this point? Because I think otherworldly is him hitting over three hundred. I don't know if he can do that. I'd like to be wrong, but I don't know that he can. Brian uh, chimes in. He says, "Small little Lopez is better than Barrero any day of the week." In my opinion, I love Alejo Lopez, and I really hope that the Reds do too. Because it kind of feels like Lopez is on the chopping block. We talked about this earlier this week when it comes to cuts and and people that they have to uh, protect from the Rule 5 draft and things like that. So I I hope Alejo Lopez stays on the roster. He's a good fielder and a great slap hitter, good at getting on base. Which I feel like the Reds do need more power, but I don't think they should be trying to put that on Alejo Lopez. Uh, I do like this, and this is an interesting thought and something that we will build a show around this offseason. But starting eight by 2025, you got Cam Collier, you've got Ellie De La Cruz, you got Matt McClain, Christian Encarnacion Stram, and then I'm guessing that was supposed to be Stevenson, not Stepson. And then in the outfield, you have Noel V. Marte, Christian Arroyo, Spencer Steer. I'm interested on that one because I, I, I'm guessing we've got Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop. Matt McLean at second base, so then moving Arroyo to center field. I almost wonder if the Reds don't explore moving McLean to center field and moving Arroyo to second base. But again, this is this is all hoping that every single one of these guys pan out. And this is why the Reds had to add as much future talent as they did, because you can't just expect every single prospect to pan out. I, I always think of uh, Daniel Corsino as a guy who could be like an ace. He wasn't because not every prospect pans out. But when I look at some of these guys that they've got, they're so uber talented that it makes you wonder if they, if you have a high possi- a high uh, percentage of them pan out. And that would be huge for this team because the Reds have really gone all in on the young guys figuring it out, coming up to the majors, and having a big impact. If that doesn't happen, that's not a podcast I look forward to talking about. But if that does happen, we're going to be talking about some really, really good things. We're going to be talking about it for a long time. Got another one from Brian. He says, do you think Cincinnati will pick Tucker Barnhart back up? 
I'm interested on this one because according to Spot Track, we, we've talked about this in an episode in the past, that according to Spot Track, which is a really good resource for uh, sports contracts, not just baseball, but also NFL, NBA, and all that good stuff, it's a good free agent tracker and things like that. For the free agent tracker, they have uh, Tucker Barnhart making around $5.5 million. I don't necessarily know if the Reds are ready to give him that. I think that they try to get him more around three, more around two million. Um, I think that he's going to be a guy that doesn't sign till January or right before spring training or something like that. There are teams that could use him, but his year last year was such a struggle that I think people will question as to how good he can be for them. And the other part of it is, will he take that backup role? I hope so, because it feels like he still has a lot of connections. And I love Tucker Barnhart. I've always been a huge fan of Tucker. But I think that overall, he's going to be a dude that he's got to accept less and maybe prove that he deserves like one more contract. Um, yeah. Sorry, I was reading should probably bring this up. I was reading a comment here. Rod has a good point. The problem is he couldn't hit in 2020. This is talking back about Jose Barrero. Couldn't hit in 2020. Couldn't hit at Louisville. And he's hit back in the majors. He hasn't hit in the majors in his call. The worst part is he seldom even makes meaningful contact. That was an important part, too, because when I looked at his baseball salon page that talks about, you know, like launch angle and exit velocity and things like that, you know, the analytics that not a lot of people like to get into. But when you look at average exit velocity, that is the overall power that he's putting into each hit. It's below league average. So, yeah, I I just don't know. I don't know. He feels like a quadruple-A guy because I think if you do put him in triple-A and he starts to mash again, I don't necessarily know that you could take that to mean that he has turned things around and it's time to bring him back up. I, I do kind of wonder if the Reds move on from Aristides Aquino this season like I, I think that they should, I almost wonder if uh, the new player who is cast in the role of, well, we think he's going to figure it out. We're going to keep giving him a lot of chances. I think Jose Barrero takes that role. And I'm going to be interested to see what the Reds do with that. Yeah, and and Brian, this one, and, and we'll end on this one because I was with you. When he hit those two homers in Milwaukee, I was like, yeah, buddy, this is what we were talking about. This is the talent that we thought he had. This is the power, this is his ability to hit that we thought Jose Barrera was going to bring to the plate. And he literally didn't hit another home run. It's just, it, baseball is such a weird sport, man. And you can be uber talented and not pan out, and that's where I think Danny brings up a good point. It's like if just four of these guys, four of these prospects that the Reds have pan out, we're golden. And that is how we are going to end today's podcast. Thank you so much for uh, participating. Thanks to those who commented and got in on the questions and things like that here on this live edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. If this is your first time watching us, make sure that you're subscribed and you click that bell to get notified whenever we have new content, whenever we have new live shows. There will be We're going to try to do a live show each and every Friday. And Steve will be back with me next Monday as we talk about David Bell and whether or not he will be here whenever the Reds are good again, which should hopefully be in like two years. 
But thanks again for checking us out here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Now go check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast as they have you covered on all of the biggest news and sports or news and sports game recaps, and they take you deep into the stories that are moving the needle each and every day on the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. It's just like Lockdown Reds. It's free and available on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. Steve and I will be with you every step of the way throughout this offseason as the Reds try to build to what we hope is a better 2023 because we are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.